Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's up? Doing all right. We also have Christian Ertz. What's going on? A oh, very exciting episode. We get to recap the NBA draft that was last week with our thoughts on, you know, some what teams we thought did well, what teams we thought, you know, maybe reached a little bit. Um, mostly NBA-centric. Dahl will finish off with racing like always um, after that. But let's start with the trade that broke the day before the draft last week. And it kind of had to get done, um, you know, in the NBA. It's not all official because of the league year and everything. Um, so, you know, it's agreed to, and then teams are selecting four other teams in the draft. So there's all that. Um, you know, all day on that last Wednesday, you know, there's a report Kristaps Porzingis, then of the Washington Wizards, was going to be flipped to the Boston Celtics. He was going to opt into his final year of his contract with Dallas. Uh, not Dallas. He signed him when he was with Dallas. But um, the contract with the Wizards, he opted into the final year. Um, and they were agreeing to parameters of a deal. Originally, it was Boston, Washington, and the Clippers were involved. Reportedly, Malcolm Brogdon was set to go out to the Clippers. Um, and then it was about two hours until midnight when the deadline for Christoph Porzingis opting to his contract uh, took place. Uh, the Clippers, you know, kind of backed out because of Malcolm Brogdon's medicals. Some of it, you know, the reports were they couldn't get a physical in, which I, I struggle to believe that because I feel like if you want to, you can just move the deadline back in, in for a physical the next day and be fine. Uh, if you were afraid of the you know the injury he sustained in the playoffs, I get that completely, uh, and that's more believable to me. Uh, unfortunately, you know it's the Clippers who have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard who are always injured, so I I find it hard to believe. It's like the Brogdon's injury is the one that is going to set you back. Like yeah, we're taking it easy here. I guess you can only have so many injured players on your roster. Um, so Kristaps goes to. Uh, Boston, they got a third team. The Memphis Grizzlies got involved. Uh, and this is where my heart sang for a second because I, I had notifications on for both Woj and Shams, and I'm checking him. And it's like, okay, the Kristaps Porzingis still has, uh, you know, been approved. Daniel Gallinari, Mike Muscala, they're being shipped over to, to uh, Washington. Uh, the third team involved the Grizzlies. And then I see the words, Marcus Smart has been traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. And I almost collapsed when I saw that. It was just, of the trades, I got, I've seen some star players and some players I've loved trade away. This is how the sports works. But it was just, you know, I didn't believe Marcus Smart was ever going to be traded away. It seemed like he was one of those, you know, core members of the team that was going to be there forever. And then to see that he's being traded to Memphis. And they ultimately, you get two first-round picks back in there. Uh, one being the 25th pick in this year's draft that Boston traded back and they acquired more picks with. Um, but gosh, I mean, I mean, Marcus was in Boston for nine years, and I mean, he's again never was like the you know the star of the team, he wasn't you know the go-to player, but he made a lot of great plays, especially on the defense end of the court where he was defensive player of the year just last year in 2022, not this past season, previous one. Been three-time All-Defensive First Team, uh, the NBA Hustle Award. He's won three out of the last uh, five years of the award, including the last two. Just, I mean, yeah, 
Memphis, it feels like it's a right. It gets a good fit for him in Memphis because, you know, the defensive toughness, you know, the grit and grind days that they used to have. He's 29 years old. John Morant, obviously, we talked last week, spent 25 games. So smart, you know, holds the fort down for 25 games. And then when you get him back, you have Smart and John Morant, which that is going to be a fun backcourt um, with both those guys in there. Um, and again, I, I trust Brad Stevens. I've learned, and I mean, Brad, because when he was coaching the Celtics, he loved Marcus Smart. And, you know, I was reading up on some articles, and it's like Brad would not have made this trade if he didn't think the value was fair and that it was going to help Boston win Banner 18. Because that was, you know, it's been the goal for Boston is – to try to get that next banner. And it, it sucks that Marcus Smart seemingly will not be a part of that, the quest, at least for this upcoming season, to get banner 18. Um, also, in the trade, Tyus Jones shipped out from Memphis to Washington to help facilitate the deal. Um, but gosh, it's it's going to be, it's going to suck for me to see Marcus Smart in another jersey. And again, if you look at his raw numbers, it's nothing jumps off at you. Uh, except maybe the steal numbers, one and a half steals this past season. Um, he had his best assist year with six assists because the three-point shooting is spotty, always has been. But if you if you just watch him, his impact on the defensive side of the ball, it's very noticeable to someone if you're just watching him. It, it's going to be weird seeing him in Memphis. Um, ultimately, I'm, I mean, I love that team there. I'm going to root for uh, you know, Marcus Smart, obviously, and hope that he does well. Ultimately, hope it doesn't not come down to Grizzlies and Celtics in the finals this upcoming season. Because I'm going to be, I got to be rooting for the Celtics naturally, but it's going to suck if Marcus saw the other side. And, you know, he's hoisting Lombardi against his former club. Um, but, you know, bring on Kristaps. He's, had, you know, arguably his best year so far this past year. Uh, in terms of points, it was his best year with 23 points per game. Uh, his assist numbers, you know, it was 8.4, 8. which, or rebound, excuse me there. Assist was 2.7. And, you know, he can shoot. He's got a good outside shot. He can also play back to the basket, which is going to be needed. And especially, you know, at the big spot where you have Al Horford, who's 37 years old now, and you have um, Robert Williams, he's always banged up. And, hey, Chris has his own injury issues too. But if you, you got a for 3 guy who, you know, at one point was deemed the unicorn because he had the outside shot and he was, you know, kind of a savior a little bit in New York with the Knicks that I'm not, you know, super high on Chris stops, but you know, I'm going to give it a shot there and I'll be rooting for him next year as long as he's wearing green. So, um, but that's it. Chris ups for Zingas traded from Washington to the Celtics in a deal that sit Marcus smart out. And that was, again, that was just devastating. Like I don't think I've ever lingered on for like, it's almost a week now. And it still just feels surreal that, you know, Marcus Smart will not be a member of the Celtics this upcoming season. But, uh, that's, you know, that's the business side of the NBA. and It, it sucks uh, for that perspective there. Uh, Dolan, your thoughts as an outsider on the uh, Smart and Kristaps trade? Yes. Um, I'm not planning on going, I guess, as in, as in deep into it as you did just because you're – you have more of an emotional attachment to one of those teams. I do not. Um, I say, think you know, this felt like a you know a knee trade. I, you know, I don't believe that should um, 
should the Grizzlies feel like, oh boy, this is this is it. This is the missing piece. I mean, I feel like they could use a piece or two more. Um, and for Boston, you know, you have to see what this, what this, what this year, um, I guess, feels like, or um, just, you know, steps was was good. Uh, I feel like, um, but you know, I also, I also feel as. You know, I wanna, I wanna see it. You know, I wanna see it happen. I wanna see the Celtics, you know, win number eighteen because they've, you know, they've had this hype for the past was it two, three years at least. Minutes title, and you know, now just not finish the job. I mean, that's you know, they they sign up for the job. And they perform well, but they don't they don't finish it. Um, and it's you know, is Chris Stapps gonna be that person to help finish the job? That would be my thing, Spence. That's like the only thing that's the only question that I really have with this Boston team. Um, and so is this trade is this trade gonna be it? Like is this gonna be the trade that puts them over the top? You know, you said it and um, you know, I sure hope so, but um, you know, I guess, like looking at the team, I guess you would know more about it than I would. But you know, I feel like if you make a trade, you have to you have to think that you're pretty close. Not like you have been, you know, with this past season made it to the NBA, NBA final or and so you're, you're there, there. You just you know Chris Stapps does he have all the tools to cover up um the things that bit you in the butt last season. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to we'll have to see and you know that's gonna be something that I'm sure Boston Celtics fans and you know NBA fans too will will be watching and looking out for as the as the season goes on and into the playoffs in twenty twenty four. All right, Christian, anything you want to add on the uh, Christos Porzingis Marcus Smart trade? Um, it's big for Boston, obviously. I think it's a big move for Boston, um, getting such a good player like Christoph Porzingis. And, you know, Christoph isn't the, the, you know, the, what was he, fourth overall pick when he was drafted to New York? Um, you know, he was a top pick, and um, he, he hasn't been superstar level. But, you know, averaging 20 points a game for most of your uh, time in the NBA is still very good. And I still think Kristaps is going to get the similar numbers in that. And he had to get bigger. They had to get more athletic uh, in the uh, in the front court. So, I absolutely think this is a great move for Boston. It does suck that Marcus Smart is off the team now. And he is now with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think for Boston, he was the he was a real leader. Him and Al Horford, I viewed as the top two leaders of the Boston Celtics culture. And for Memphis, it's a great addition because Marcus needs to get in on John Morant and really help him mature and to be great on and off the court, which I think it's really going to help Memphis out a ton. Um, 
I still I think with this move, Boston kind of elevates itself in front of Milwaukee. And, you know, also you got the competition of Philadelphia, uh, Miami in, you know, the realm of the East. But this move, it's not like a superstar, right? It's not the big three of both Jalen's and Porzingis. It's not. But it's still a very good move where it's going to keep them in the long run. And I think for the next couple of seasons, Porzingis is going to help possibly make Boston get another championship, which they were super close to two years ago. And, of course, last year they kind of got swatted uh, to, due to my Miami Heat. So I still think it's awesome uh, for Przingis. You know, he is going to his third team in a couple of, you know, in about three years with Dallas, uh, Washington, and now Boston, excuse me. So I think Boston is in, you know, a really good seat with having Kristaps. And by the way, Spencer, do you know the very last game that Kristaps played uh, last year against what team? I'm guessing it was Boston. It was, you... it was Boston. Boston was the very last team they played against on March 28th, and he actually scored 26 points. He was 26, uh, he was 26, 13, and 6. So he almost averaged a triple double on. Eastern Conference Finals runner-ups of the Boston Celtics. So, obviously, if he kind of plays with that um, that ferocity and he plays to that level, it, Boston really hit a home run with Porzingis. So, I think it's a great move. I, I think it's a sad day for Boston fans losing Marcus Smart. But in the end, I think it will get him a chip in about a year or two. I, I hope so. That's, that's the one hope there. Another move by a team hoping to – uh, get a, a, a chip this upcoming year, and also the Washington Wizards is the Chris Paul for Jordan Poole trade. Uh, as we mentioned last week, Chris Paul was traded away to Washington in the Bradley Bill deal, although it was always kind of assumed that Chris Paul was never going to play for the Wizards. He was not going to be waived or flipped, and he ended up being flipped just a couple days later to the Warriors for Jordan Poole, which it's a fascinating deal because Jordan Poole, obviously last year, uh, when they won the final, when they won the championship, he was an integral part of the team that won the title. I mean, he averaged 17 points in the postseason, although it mostly came off the bench uh, in that run. And even this past year, he had, you know, his a career year in year four, 20 point, four points a game, four and a half assists. Uh, shooting numbers were down a little bit compared to the previous year. Uh, and actually, I did not know this. In 21-22, he led the league in free throw percentage. was uh, 92.5% there. Uh, but anyway, Poole, it just kind of felt, you know, really weird this past year. Uh, especially, you know, the Draymond fight that took place before the year started. Uh, the altercation there. Uh, that obviously something was – one of them had to be traded away. Um, yeah, because they had the fight, and then he signs the extension. Uh, and Draymond, he's due a new contract this year. The new CBA, you can't really keep both. Um, so they trade for a guy who, who makes more money, which is uh, – I know that makes no sense there. Warriors, they're going to bring back Draymond. I'd be shocked if they don't at this point um, because they have literally no one in the front court right now. It's like Kevin Looney and a Kaminga who didn't play much, if at all, last year to my knowledge. Um, you know, especially during the playoffs, he did not play. 
So we'll see what they do there. But Jordan Poole for Chris Paul, it's a weird fit, Chris Paul. Like he is, you know, later in his career. And I mean, obviously, you know, they had had their rivalry on the court. And, you know, if they team up, they're going to be, you know, it's all going to be water in the bridge. They're not going to let, you know, a playoff series, you know, half decade ago be the reason they still have beef with each other. Chris Paul, CP3, Chris Paul, Chris Paul and Steph Curry. I don't know why I just said his name there. Uh, Chris Paul and Steph Curry did beef there. Warriors fans and Chris Paul. He's wearing your team colors now. You're going to support him. I just want to know how that fits. Like, is Chris Paul coming off the bench? If that's the case, you know, that's fine. You have Chris Paul run the second unit and, you know, not get a lot of wear and tear on himself at this stage of his career. And then, you know, he's healthy in the playoffs and you can unleash him there. But I'm just, I'm fascinated. Uh, Weirdly, I don't think it's going to work out as well as they kind of hope for it. As a, they probably hope they can make one last run and have Chris Paul be kind of an impetus for it. Uh, you know, coming in, him and Steph Curry, I don't, I just don't see them coexisting. I think it's going to be like a couple years ago when they brought in D'Angelo Russell and they thought that, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry was going to be a great duo. And, it, you know, on paper, it should have worked out probably, but they both played the same position. They ended up flipping D'Lo at the uh, All Star break or at the trade deadline, excuse me to go get Andrew Wiggins, which they ended up really working out well because Wiggins is a vital piece for their championship just this past, again, in 2022 when Golden State took it all. Uh, Poole, you know, a fresh start in Washington where he's probably the guy now since they, you know, trade away Bill, traded away uh, Porzingis. Kuzma's probably not coming back. And they got, you know, a good chance to be, you know, that is the team that Poole just go up there, score 27 to 30 points a game, and, you know, either you're part of the new uh, regime and you're the future for the Wizards, or they can flip you in like a year or two and try to get some more assets. So, uh, Poole, I think, is in a good situation. Washington, I think, clearly wins the – not clearly, but I think Washington, given the circumstances they have right now, I think they won. And they got a viable asset for their piece of Chris Paul, who, again, I think he'll be, he'll be all right, but I just don't see it coexisting. I don't see them. Um, you know, it working out as well as Golden State probably hopes it will work out uh, next year with both those guys there. Uh, Dolan, your thoughts on the CP3 and Jordan Poole trade? Uh, my initial thoughts were, you know, is, is CP3 going to take a backseat to Steph Curry? Um, he's going to he's gonna come off the bench or he's a... He's going to have to come off. You know, this this would be an interesting experiment. Like, yeah. I didn't think that, you know, Jordan Poole was going to be, you know, the kind of guy to get traded. Um, especially, especially, like, guard for guard. Like, yeah. um, and Jordan Poole, is, you know, he shoots the ball better than CP3. And, you know, I've... Was this like a like a like a veteran move or just bringing in somebody who's a lot older? But their team's already old, so like you already have veterans. So what do you need another veteran for who can't shoot the three point shot? Of Lob City, I think of um, being able to be so into the fundamentals. It is. He made well, he made what like the fundamentals besides Tim Duncan, fundamental Chris Paul wins. Um 
Like, he makes it fun to watch when not a lot of people want to watch that anymore. Um, and so I guess I was just confused, confused by the move. And, you know, I would have thought that he would have gone somewhere else. Uh, I guess it needed him. You know, I don't feel like Golden State really needs Chris Paul. And I don't know if Chris Paul really needs Golden State, if I'm being honest. Okay, is Draymond Green going to come back? We don't know. Um, how are they doing in terms of the roster currently? Well, I know there's free agency and, you know, everything like that. Had to go to there. Sacramento last. Okay, not a lot of people believed in Sacramento. And so I think this move was kind of confusing to me. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I haven't been the biggest fan of the Golden State Warriors. But let's just put let's just put my not hatred, but like complete just non fandom or non uh I don't know what the words I'm looking for, but I think you're catching on. Let's put my emotions aside. So, yeah, dude, I feel like with the whole Jordan Poole thing, this is going to be similar to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Thunder, where it's, you know, he's kind of the guy, and, you know, you see him, you know, I guess pop off in terms of, you know, his scoring average, and, you know, really because he has the ball a lot more than everybody else on the team, he is typically, you know, scoring more points and more minutes and getting more rebounds, more assists, so on and so forth. Um, nothing to take away from the talent because obviously they're both talented people or otherwise they wouldn't be in the league. But, you know, now that Jordan Poole is the man, I would imagine that he's going to see – or we the Houston uh, – excuse me um, – his team, you know, they would, you know, we'll, we'll see like an increase in his performance. Um, but yeah, dude, I just, you know, I was just confused by the move overall um, in terms of, you know, CP3 and that. But, you know, I guess like, like all things, when it comes to this podcast, we shall find out what happens uh, when it comes to the, to the, to next season. Um, and see if it's really made an impact or not. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the uh, CP3 pool trade? Um, as Dalton mentions, they just like Golden State is getting older, which obviously is not the worst thing. You want to have a you know an older team, a more veteranized team in all sports, but it doesn't feel like they are trying to get a little younger. They traded away one of their young stars in Jordan Poole, who, again, was averaging 20 points a game last year, you know, in the regular season, and you're bringing in a player who just averaged not even 14 a game. So you're losing about six points, you know, two threes into that mix. And what is Chris Paul going to do? Chris Paul is more than likely going to come off the bench. I doubt they go small ball with Steph, Paul, and Clay. I I think Chris Paul is better suited at this stage in his career to be the main guy in the second rotation. I think it would work out so much better for him and the Warriors to do just that. Yes, it's a it's great to have Chris Paul in the Warriors, and I really think he can maybe bring them another chip in the dynasty. But they like Don also mentioned. Tough against Sacramento. Seven series against Sacramento. L.A. kind of wiped the floor with them. 
do they really stand a chance with a younger Denver? What moves do the LA Lakers make? What happens to Memphis, especially when Jaw returns? I mean, what goes on? You know, how Sacramento going to uh, be leveled up? You have no idea how these teams are going to get better. And the Warriors, to me, look like they're going to get worse. I mean, Phoenix as well. They just brought on Bradley Beal. Now, the question still remains, do they get rid of DeAndre Ayton for really anything? You know, again, to try and get, you know, uh, you know, unload on their cap and try to get better, you know, mid-tier free agents, you know, without DeAndre's money in the way. We don't know how Phoenix is going to rise. To me, I'm looking at, you know, looking at it right now, they're the seventh best team, I think, because on the level of going up. I got Denver ahead, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers. You know, New Orleans could make a move. Dallas, you know, what happens with Luka and Kyrie Irving? Um, and that was a con- you know controversial time because Kyrie's situation. But, you know, what happens with the Mavericks and Luka Doncic? So, to me, L.A., yes, they wanted to have Chris Paul for that veteranship, but they're not getting any younger. They lost points. When you look at just points alone and how effective they are, they lost in that in the sense of this trade, you know, besides they won veteranship. So, I don't think it was the greatest move. But, of course, like we all say, we shall see what happens. But I have Golden State in that play-in mix. I don't see them, uh, as of right now, having kind of that buy, and they don't have to play in the play-in. I think they will be in the play-in, or they're going to be completely out of the playoffs. Again, that's as right now, no major trades happen. Draymond, uh, if he comes back, maybe. But I still think Golden State kind of reached here when they really didn't have to. Yep, it's going to be a fascinating uh, season for sure. One final trade before we get into our NBA draft recap. John Collins traded away from the Atlanta Hawks after being in rumors for basically his entire entire career. I was like maybe the first year of his career. Uh, constantly thrown in rumors. He is traded to Utah for Rudy Gay, who... Being completely honest, I forgot Rudy Gay was still in the league. I thought he had retired or, you know, was just not in the NBA on a roster last year. I just maybe it shows I didn't watch any Utah Jazz basketball. And why would I? I said, like, you know, Laurie Markinen and, you know, Walker Kessler is pretty good. Uh, and Markinen likes the most improved player of the year there. Uh, okay, I like the fit with Collins. You know, if he plays the kind of a center position uh, with them, like him and Laurie. But we've also seen time and time again – you know, having your two best players, arguably, you know, be in the front court, it does not usually work out well. Case in point, you know, uh, there was Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond in Detroit for a while. Didn't really do anything with that. You had um, Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins in New Orleans for a bit. Didn't really work out well for uh, both sides there. And then you have Collins and Markin in. Um, and that's arguably your two best players now. Um I know you took Keontae George, a shooting guard in the draft, out of Baylor. Um, is he going to have to play big miss right away? Well, again, he was mid-first-round mid mid round pick. Um, he could probably slide in and start. Maybe THT, if you want to go with him. Uh, the way that you construct the roster going forward, and again, Danny Age is in that front office. He knows how to swing trades. Obviously, he swung this trade. 
uh, shipping off Rudy Gay to get John Collins in there. Um, again, it's the roster is fine. I think it could be a, at least a play-in team. Like last year, Will Hardy got the team. They started off really strong, and they were in you know near the top of the West. You know, first month of the year, and then you know they played more games. It kind of leveled off, as you would expect there. But they got a roster that it can be very competitive in the Western Conference. But they need to shore up that front, uh, the backcourt, excuse me, uh, this offseason, which I don't know what free agents they go after and what free agents want to come to Utah. Uh, or if there's another trade that, you know, we're just not aware of right now. But, again, the, the team should be a play-in team at the very least. I like the, again, the fit with Collins is fascinating because, like I said, Walker Kessler was really good as a rookie last year. Markkinen was the uh, most improved player. And now you have Collins. It's kind of a log jam in there. Let's just want to go super tall. Um, move one of those guys like the three. Um there, which again, you probably could if you really wanted to, like Mark move marketing in the three Collins uh, Kessler. I don't know how that would work, but that's just me kind of just talking spitball now uh, on what moves they could make. But Collins, I, I like him as a player. Uh, he, he gave Boston some fits in the first round this past year. Uh, you know, he, he you know, 11 points per game, but he his shooting was it was respectable 34% there from three, 43 inside or overall, excuse me. So, again, he, he's a fine player. I, I would have liked him in Boston. I kind of wanted him a couple years ago when they potentially could have swung a deal, but Atlanta was not willing to part with him. And for Atlanta, I, again, I don't know what you're going to get with Rudy Gay going forward, if anything. If it was just, you know, we need to bring something back uh, for Collins, and that's what they did there. Uh, because Atlanta, you know, they're kind of at a crossroads. With, you know, they were the 7th seed, but they had the 8th best record. Uh, you know, they fired their coach middle of the season in McMillan. They brought they hired Quinn Snyder after a few like a week or so. So Quinn Snyder Snyder, that era of um him in Atlanta, it's gonna be another fascinating offseason to see what Atlanta does if they, you know, try to improve from, you know, making it winning a play in game last year, getting the seventh spot, or if they try to tear it all down, try to, you know, kind of start a little bit over. Um there and cause like the first piece they move away if they trade Trey Young in like a week or two. That could be another surprise there. Um but yeah, again, Collins to Utah. I like the move, but again, the roster needs some retooling for it to kind of make a little bit more sense bit-wise there. Uh Dolan, your thoughts, John Collins being traded away to Utah. Um yeah, kind of a last minute thing, and I just didn't I didn't I really didn't even think that John Collins was gonna be, I guess, be traded. You know, I that he was just going to stay in Atlanta and, you know, they were going to keep Trey Young and, and John Collins together um, for for the long haul. But I guess anything can happen. Um, he's a good player. Just, you know, I couldn't see him playing for another team until it actually happened. And, you know, I feel like I feel like John Collins going to Utah, you know, what is that? What is the – with Utah, Utah is you know, they're, they're good for you know what the first quarter, of the quarter um, and then kind of kind um, you know, is John Collins gonna be that spark? I don't, maybe, I and mean, I don't really like he was the second guy in Atlanta. Uh, is, is he gonna be the guy here? Like I don't, I don't think so. 
Um, I don't know. I feel like this is just another, I guess, a, a try to get younger type of thing. Um, hmm. I mean, it's with these, with these moves, you know, guys, I feel like, you know, it's, we can, we can speculate and do this and that. And, but I, I feel like, you know, I want to, I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the uh, John Collins trade to Utah? Um, it, It's an interesting move because, yes, John Collins is probably the second most known guy in Atlanta behind Trey Young. He was actually just the you know a top five scorer for the team. Uh, Deontay Murray did better. Deontay Hunter's done better. Bogdanovich has done better. And John Collins is 13... 13-6-1 uh, with points, rebounds, and assists. He's not elevating the team as much, and his splits, pretty much five, you know, five for ten. So 50% shooting and you know, from uh, regular range, and then, of course, 29 from three-point. It, it's not like he's not taking a lot of these chances and not – of course, like Trey Young and Deontay are going to get the ball more. But is he really being as effective as Clint Capella is, who's one less point but five extra more rebounds with the team? So, really, is Sean Collins really making the most uh, of his time in Atlanta? So, I think in Utah, obviously he's going to go to a worse team. Uh, And our West is so packed right now. And what we thought Utah was uh, just, you know, three years ago when they were one seed, they were completely – just destroyed and you know with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell that franchise is now in a hellhole um so you know when you really look at it from that point he'll he'll have time to like develop his game and not be under duress but Atlanta I mean that that raises the question what do they do do they go full rebuild mode trade DeAndre trade Trey um and kind of start new and see what can happen with Atlanta, or do they, you know, have the Rudy Gay move, but go into free agency really thinking they can possibly compete out East. But you got tough competition with Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, and Miami, and then you've got risers in out East. You know, Brooklyn, they kind of competed last year. Uh, even though they traded everybody, they still kind of competed. New York, Cleveland, uh, what happens with Chicago? You've got a lot of teams that look on the way up in Atlanta and just kind of in neutral. So do they go full reverse or do they, do they try to uh, push themselves up top in the East? You know, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, three years ago. Um, so they, they have been in that situation before. So they can get it, but again, what pieces do you need to elevate your team more and more? So I think for John, it's a good move because he's going to a team, not a lot of pressure, and he can try and develop himself more and more as a basketball player. But for Atlanta, they're getting a great veteran in Rudy Gay who's been around the block a couple times, been in San Antonio, been in Sacramento, and now you know been in Utah, and now he's going into Atlanta. And he could really make an impact as a veteran uh, growing DeAndre Hunter. So 
Uh, I think Atlanta is in a okay spot, but I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to uh, trade some more pieces out. Yeah, I um, again, the offseason is still young for agency, obviously starting out uh, this Saturday. So, again, lots of teams will be making more moves around the uh, the edges to try to build the best roster they can to compete next year. Uh, another way teams build their rosters through the NBA draft, which we saw last Thursday, uh, to the surprise of nobody, Victor Wimbanyama was the first pick by the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, again, he is just an athletic freak, seven foot five. The uh, second tallest person to go, number one overall. Uh, uh, the only person taller was Yao Ming back in 02. Also, the first player since Andrea Bognani in 06 that, to go number one overall without playing in the U.S. You know, just, you know, international guy who has no uh, ties to the U.S. via college or high school, G League, et cetera there. Because um, you had a few that had, like, you know, they're international, but they played college ball in the U.S. Um, case like Andrew Wiggins, who's Canadian, etc. There. But Wimby going to San Antonio, and I, I don't know if I said it here, uh, but if not, I'll say it here now. I, I think it's the best fit for him. San Antonio, they know what they're doing. Popovich and company. They both, with number one world picks, you know, Tim Duncan, Dunk, uh, David Robinson. They're... You have, uh, you know, international guys like Tony Parker, Monty Ginobili, um, and Tony Parker being a French guy. That may also play a factor here to where uh, international guys, you go to one now. It's a perfect storm. And Popovich, who has been a little on the downside of his career just because, you know, you know the dynasty te- uh, players have all kind of aged out. They've retired, moved on. And then Kawhi Leonard, you know, that whole saga, how that unfolded at the end there. Because uh, Kawhi could have been kind of a bridge to the next generation. Uh, we, but we don't need to relitigate all that. But Wimby, I think, is the start of something new there in San Antonio. I think they have, they also have some cap space. If they wanted to, they can make some good moves this year. And they could potentially make a run for the plan this year. Maybe even make it to the top six. Because uh, Wimby's just that good. He doesn't need to do much defensively because he's so damn tall. Um Bangin. He improves his offensive game. He's got a great outside shot there that could, is only going to get better with the mentorship there with Greg Popovich and company. And I'm excited to see what Wimbanyama can do with the San Antonio Spurs and if they can, you know, build a, a simple roster that can get him to at least the play in and help give him some experience uh, for next year. Because he, again, he's that like freak there. It was a slam dunk pick. No one. Uh, was going to bet against him going to one overall unless you just want to test your luck there. So, San Antonio, they got their big, but they hope is for the next decade plus here. Uh, Chris, I'll go to you next here. Your thoughts on Wimbenyama going first overall to the San Antonio Spurs? Um, it's not a shock. Obviously, he is a freak of a human being, seven foot five. That wingspan is ridiculous. And I think it is a great move. San Antonio has had great number one overall picks with Tim and David Robinson. So Victor can absolutely uh, develop into a really nice player. It, it kind of scares me because he's too tall and because he is just, you know, a freak of a man. He is the true Slenderman. Um, is he going to get bullied around a lot? Or are guys going to possibly take some cheap shots if he can get, 
bulkier as a basketball player? Can he perform even better than the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo? Um, it, it's quite possible. Now, obviously, he's probably going to win Rookie of the Year, but don't, don't, I don't want these expectations of, oh, he should be in the MVP race. I don't know if he'll be that at that young of an age, but he's definitely going to bring uh, a lot of attention to San Antonio more than we have in the last several years. Quite honestly, people have forgotten San Antonio since, you know, Tim has left, since Tony Parker, since Manu, uh, since Kawhi. They really have just kind of been in the midst. They're like, oh, San Antonio's still a team. That's how I have viewed a team sometimes. So Victor Wimbiyama is going to bring a lot more uh, views into San Antonio, and it can be really good for both both parties with uh, the Spurs and Victor. So uh, I'm I'm going to be interesting to see how this goes. Um, of course, I'm not as big in the NBA draft as I am in the NFL, but hearing hype on this guy, seeing some film, this guy can be for real, but. That transition is going to be interesting. Can he keep up with the best of the best? Yeah, it's going to be must-watch TV uh, for sure next year when San Antonio is playing. Uh, Dalton, your thoughts on Wimby going to move overall to San Antonio? Um, no, like, I don't really have a lot. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really shocked. Um, I do know that I do know that Spurs fans were extremely ecstatic. Uh, they were they were excited, um, but uh, you know I feel like you know there's there's a there's a new there's a new uh, breath I guess of a new like a breath of life that's like you know people I don't even know what the phrase is but you know they feel like it's like the start of you know something new. There's my high school musical reference for the night. Um, and, you know, I feel like Spurs fans, they can, they can feel it, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's something that they can, they can look forward to, you know, they were already going to the games last year. You know, the team was bad. I know I went to at least one. Okay. Like they're, they're very much still fans. It's not like they stopped showing up and, you know, their attendance was down. They The one game that I went to, they played the Clippers without PG, and Kawhi was the only person playing. And, you know, granted, Kawhi is a former Spur, but, you know, they had a pretty solid crowd. Like, I was sitting I was sitting shoulder to shoulder um, with a couple of buddies of mine, and, you know, there was it, it looked pretty sold out. And so, you know... Spurs fans, they'll go out, man, no matter who, who they're playing. And, you know, they'll show up and show out. And I feel like, you know, them getting Victor Wimbenyama is uh, the start. And, you know, there's, the ticket prices are just going to go up. They're just going to go up. And, you know, it's going to be hard for people who aren't season ticket holders to to get tickets. And, you know, it could be more expensive than they were last year because, you know, I feel like this newfound hype is – is gonna is, is what's gonna be the driving force um, for them, and you know I figure, you know if I were to go to a game next next December or next October, um, you know it might it might not be, you know it, it it may be a little bit more expensive, and 
you know, we might have to buy him a little bit earlier than we did before because of this draft and this draft pick uh, alone. You know, he's, you know, changing, I guess, the franchise overnight without actually, I guess, realizing it. You know, I figure, you know, or maybe he does realize it. Maybe he realizes that, you know, this, 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 this organization got the number one pick for a reason. And not to say that they were an awful team, but they were a bad team. <laughs> and so, like, it's, uh, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I hope that it works out for them because I have seen up close that, you know, Spurs fans, they're, they're so, there, there's no ego with the Spurs. Like there's, I like, I don't, I don't get, I don't get Philly fans, like that sort of mentality in San Antonio. I don't like, I really don't get it. I, I don't, um, I didn't experience it like that. It was so, um, what is the word I'm looking for? So, um, like, nice and just, you know good-hearted fans um, with good intentions, and they were just happy to support their team, you know, just happy to be there. And so, you know, I have to presume that Victor Wimbenyaba is, you know, he's he's a good kid. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and, you know, I feel like this is – this is this is a good fit for them. Uh, the more that I think about this draft pick and uh, the Spurs making that selection, which was a no doubter. You know, I think Spence said on the day of the draft, the first three picks were no brainers. Now it's now now is where the real fun begins. Um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm gonna be interested to see. Um, how this changes their t- uh, ticketing and like how basically from a management perspective um, the San Antonio Spurs are able to, you know, deal with this and uh, be able to market it a little bit more. Uh, and so they already had great crowds to begin with. And so how could they take that next step and get back, get back up to really where they were when, you know, Tim Duncan and Ginobili and all those guys were playing. So um, they'll be, be interesting to see. And of course, you know, I mentioned earlier, I know, I know a bunch of Spurs fans and, you know, they're, they're, they're nothing but ecstatic and, you know, happy and ready to go some, to some games. So, you know, we'll we'll see how this up season this this upcoming season goes. All right, next on to our favorite team segment of this draft recap. We'll talk about our favorite teams draft classes. I'll start with uh, Christian since you guys had the uh, higher pick of us with eighteen and Miami Heat. There, Christian, take away what do you think of Miami Heat's draft class this year? Uh, draft class, including one t- uh, one person, uh, I think Miami did a fine job with Hami Haquez Jr., uh, Triple J. So he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year last year at UCLA. Um, 
he's really he really developed real well uh, there, and he's done some really good stuff in the tournament the last couple of years uh, when they were in the Final Four two years ago. So I think he is going to really be established and do really nice uh, bench rotation uh, for guys like Bam, uh, Kevin Love, if we retain him, and be a good role player for that. Um, obviously, I'm not shocked that we didn't go guard just because, you know, we were thinking about Bradley Beal. That obviously didn't happen. We're thinking about Damian Lillard. Who knows what's going to happen there. Um, we're probably going to get another top guard. If Trey, by the way, if Trey Young comes to Miami Heat, I will lose my mind. <laughs> I will love it, but I will lose my mind. Um, if that happens, because we talked about Atlanta trading. But anyway, with Jaquez, um, I'm really excited, you know. You, you don't get power five players of the year often. Um, I understand the top players, top five. Um, three of them were not in American institutions uh, or universities. So I understand, like, the game, is, you know, the draft channel is a little different. But at the same time, if you can ball, you can ball. And you got a power five uh, player of the year who can ball as a really good power forward. Uh, I mean, six six. He can be a wing too. He can be, a, you know, a long, a taller, tall forward or nice power forward. So, I think he's going to do just fine. Uh, I'm excited. You know, not going to be like, oh, this is the next Kevin Love. This is the next great. Uh, but at the same time, I think he'll be nice rotation for our team. And hey, we'll have a we'll have a player that's actually drafted by Miami and not an undrafted dude. So I'm proud of that. Um, we'll just see how he does. Uh, once summer league comes around. Yeah, thank you for that, Christian. Uh, Boston, as I mentioned earlier, when they traded Marcus Smart to Memphis, they got the 25th pick, which ended up being Marcus Sasser, and they flipped that to uh, Detroit. Uh, and I jokingly said, you know, okay, another Marcus traded by Boston uh, on the same day, technically speaking, is when they announced the trades. Uh, they go to 31. They just kept trading back, it seemed, to the point where I was like, yeah, screw this. I'm not watching the draft anymore. Like, I was stamped to watch Boston and see where they pick. And it seemed like they just kept trading back, which, again, it ended up being, you know, four future second-round picks on a player is what that, you know, originally was the 25th pick you acquired from Marcus Smart. I mean, they still have next year's Golden State first round, which is top four protected. Um, that, but again, that's for next year. The player they actually did select when they finally decided to take one after all, you know, all the trades are, you know, finalized is Jordan Walsh out of uh, Arkansas. He's a 19-year-old, again, known probably more for his defense. Um, he started, he was a starting wing early in the year with Arkansas, but then kind of got moved to the bench as it was a reserve. Uh, he's just insanely athletic, high motor. He's a um, great defensive player. For the Razorbacks, so I, I love to see that. I mean, I'm not expecting him to just have a uh, out of this world experience next year, and you know contribute right away. I mean, kind of like JD Davison last year, where again I think he'll probably bounce back and forth between the G League and the main roster. Uh, main roster being the Celtics, rush out the main Celtics, um, but he'll probably be bouncing back and forth between that too. Like I said, um, yeah, I don't, again, I don't have much expectations. For Walsh, but if he can, you know, be the defensive player that he was at an Arkansas in college, then I think he can find a way to, you know, crack 
a few minutes here and there in some, you know, you know, game in January where it's, you know, second time back to back. It's like, oh, let's put Walsh in five, ten minutes here. Have him just go at it on defense and, you know, give the guys a breather like Tatum, uh, Brown, et cetera there. Um, not you know, expecting to be like, you know, Nikola Jokic, second round pick who turns into an MVP candidate. Or you know maybe a Draymond Green where he's a defensive specialist on a championship team, but you know I'm optimistic always, and he's a fine player. Like I don't have any hard takeaways on that front. There, onto a guy that we think could be a potential steal in this year's draft. And again, there's a lot you can choose from here. There for me, uh, I think the, the easy selection. I think a lot of people are probably gonna go like Cam Whitmore who from Villanova was projected as high as fifth at one point uh, before sliding all the way to 20 in the draft. But I'm actually going to go with Christian's guy, uh, Hami Hakez Jr. at 18 there because he fits, you know, he can slide in there depending on what that happens with like Struess and others this year. He's like, learning from Jimmy Butler and like he also just screams heat culture. Like he's a guy kind of overlooked at times there. Um, he was in college so long that I think Steve Alford was the yeah Steve Alford was there in 2018. Um, he didn't start there, but Steve Alford recruited him to UCLA. That's how long ago he was in he was you know in high school being recruited um, there. You know Mick Cronin kept him on staff or kept him there, and he can. It's weird, you know, seeing a guy play four years doesn't he should go that high. But Pac-12 play of the year, like, again, the resume speaks for itself. They're two-time all, first-team all Pac-12. It was second team the year before that. Like, two-time all defensive team in the Pac-12. Uh, Olsen Award winner this past year. Uh, so, yeah, just, just screams heat culture there. I think he'll fit in nicely. And it's also going to be nice not to hear, you know, these guys were all undrafted. Where it's like, hey, this is a guy my age took in the first round. Um for a change there. So that's my, I think, potential steal of the draft. Because even really outside of the top 10 can be classified as a steal. If you want to go outside the lottery, and that's where he was. So Jaime Hawkins is my steal for the draft here. Uh, Dalton, I'll go to you next. Your steal for this year's draft. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Isaiah Wong, potentially. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, potentially. Um, those are a couple of guys that fell late in the second round that I think could be could be really good for for their teams. Um, and you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm actually gonna be that guy. you know, if you can understand me clearly now, um, there were no Texas players that were drafted this past this past draft. and if you if you allow me, a good solid couple minutes so that I can talk about that. That would be fantastic. Um, wow. Like, I don't like, what are you kidding me? No, like just, you're talking about a team that, you know, apparently performance does not matter. Does it matter? I mean, what? Marcus Carr was a top five, top 10 guard the entire season. Okay. Timmy Allen, top 10 forward, had been a great player for the Texas Longhorns. And sure, Sir Jabari Rice, 
had come off the bench as a sixth man and taken flight in some of those games that mattered the most, not to mention the Big 12 championship in which they played Kansas, not to mention some of the Kansas players got drafted, but apparently that doesn't matter. What do you mean you don't get drafted? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All three of them went undrafted, and they're going to show up, and they're going to show out. That's fine. Okay, and they'll make it to the second contract, and then we're going to look back at this 20 Why would they not draft it? Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Hook them. That's that's perfectly all right with me. Okay. okay. I just don't I just don't understand how those guys were not able to get drafted on draft day. And you know, as somebody who goes to school and you know, quite frankly, um, you know, was able to watch them play against top tier competition, uh, just don't see how that's even possibly logical. Okay. Drew Timmy didn't even get drafted. He's a sought after player and draft. Um, you know, I went back to school, but I don't believe that he did. Uh, he left his name in there and was not taken. Uh, I guess the contest. I guess because he's named four of my head. We're great players from this year. And when I'm looking at the draft guys, I look at some of these names and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? You're serious. Okay. Are you? You're joking. You're actually joking. I I guess I just don't get it. I guess I'm. I guess I I'm not paying attention to some of these things that these general managers are paying attention to, but I just feel like some of these guys got robbed. Two A contracts now, and they just got robbed of, you know, millions of dollars, thousands, thousands of dollars. Um, after putting you know, basically a great effort into the season. And, you know, we're talking about even even the guy, Isaiah Wong, um, he's made it to the final four. This brother slips all the way down to the bottom of the second round. What? Are you kidding me? He's put on a show this past season. Making it to the final four, beating my I in a non homerish way had them win it all because I thought that they, they had enough talent on that roster to take it all the way. All right, Christian, your biggest still of this year's draft. I am gonna go, uh, probably with the what everyone says is a steal, and I'm gonna go Houston's Cam Whitmore. Um, Cam was supposed to be like a top 10 player. Uh, his skill set is a top 10 player. Everybody who watched him when he was in college at, uh, Villanova really loved him. They loved what he could do. His, uh, you know, he was a great, great player, but obviously his medical with his, uh, hand injury, obviously that kind of set him aside and dropped him a little bit lower. Um, and you always see stories like this, you know, this is NBA, MLB, NFL, you see guys who have great potential, but an injury kind of puts them to a side or an incident puts them to a side where Cam, it's the same situation. He has an injury to his hand, which, of course, in basketball, you shoot with. And they teams were not trusting 
to put a lottery pick on him or even a first round pick. So Houston, who, you know, a lot, a lot of people are having conversation that they could have traded this pick. They got, uh, I think, a really nice steal. Now, is Cam going to be the guy in Houston? Absolutely not. But he definitely could be on the rise and a role player, you know, nursing his injury, coming back healthy off the bench, and being a productive player. So I think Houston has a great steal in Cam. Uh, when you're projected to be six overall and you fall to 20, that that's pretty daggum good. Uh, especially in the NBA where the top 10 are usually the guys and then everyone else is kind of role player material. So Cam is a starter quality, but he may take a little bit to get there. But I think Houston got a really nice uh, player in Cam. All right. Thank you, Christian, for that. Now, yeah, next uh, topic, I don't want to necessarily label bust because it's got such a negative connotation to that word. Um, so I'll go with reach, a guy that we think was kind of a bit of a reach here. And it's going to be, for me, Bilal uh, Kalubali, the uh, teammate of Victor Wimbanyama, ended up going seven, drafted by Indiana, but then flipped to Washington. Uh, and I didn't realize Apparently they expanded the uh, the CP3 trade at Indiana. Got to make it a three team deal, so Washington was included. Uh, that in a little bit, like, I have a cousin who's a uh, Pacers fan. He's also, he's also a 49ers fan, and a little bit like the Mitchell Trubisky, where 49ers are at two, Bears are at three. They flip one spot and get a few future assets in there, and that's what it kind of felt like here. The Pacers going down one spot, getting a couple future assets from the Washington Wizards. Um, and, you know, they get J.S. Walker at eight there. But Bilal Kalubli, it's one that, again, I'm not super familiar with his game. I didn't, again, I didn't watch a lot of Victor highlights. Um, again, obviously, you know, him being teammates with Victor uh, and, you know, a lot of teams scouting Victor, obviously, you know, they kind of notice things with him. But I just feel like, you know, it's one where if he wasn't teammates with Victor Wimiyama, I don't think he would pick this high. And I think you're just trying to get the success of him. And maybe in the future, they if they team up in the future, that'd be really nice, you know, four years on the road or whatever, uh, what have you there. But I'm just, again, not really so. I just think it was more of, you know, oh, he played with this really good player. Uh, so he's got to be also be pretty good. And again, he might be very well be good because Washington's got a ton of minutes available. And he's got a ton of potential to just fill that, uh, you know, get some minutes there and just, you know, go off. And maybe he'll score, you know, 25 points a night there as a rookie. Uh, we'll wait and see on that. But I just was not impressed uh, with that pick at seven there. Uh, Dalton, I'll go to you. Who was your biggest reach of this year's draft? Probably Derek Lively. Um you know, him going, uh, whatever pick that he went. It was uh, pick number 12. Uh, Thunder drafted him and then traded the Mavericks. Uh, probably him. You know, I didn't think that he was even the best player on the Dukes team. You know, I thought that, you know, uh, uh, Filipowski was, was the best, uh, the guy who had showed up the most. Um so yeah, Philipowski came back you know, to school. On top, huh? Philipowski went back to school though, so he could have been drafted. 
I know you that, mean, but I'm saying not even play. on the roster, not even on the Duke roster. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like they were reaching. I feel like they were reaching. If they were going to draft, you know, I feel like you know there's some potential there for you know, a, a bust to happen. The best player on Duke's team went back to school. Okay, think about that. Think about that. He went back to school. Okay, that's that's the point. That's what that's the point that I'm trying to get at here. Um, I felt like that was a little bit of a reach. They could have taken other players, other players that were available, um, like a Drew Timmy that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, like there was there were there were, there were there were some other players that that slipped. Yeah, uh, that could have. You know. Um, a Keontae George, who actually went went further down. A Julian Strother could have taken that. Kobe Brown could have taken that spot. Um, there are a few players just right there that I mentioned. Um, yeah, I felt like that was kind of a reach. Um, but that was that's kind of the only that's kind of the only one since we are just naming one. All right, Christian, your uh, biggest. Um, reach in this year's draft. I think it's going to be Jet Howard. Um, he was picked up by the Magic. I don't know if that pick really is the best for them. Um, like obviously he he's great depth, but I always think that the Magic always draft guards and they never work out. And they also drafted another guard in Anthony Black, who is one of the uh, best college players uh, for Arkansas, and he was a top dude in the SEC. So, them going um, back-to-back guards in the lottery is kind of a stretch, in my opinion. Um, so, I don't know what they're planning for guards. They're just guard city. Um, and, again, I, I just didn't, you know, catch him being, like, the top guy uh, in Michigan. And, of course, you know, the main story wasn't really Jet. It's, oh, Jet's father, by the way, is Desmond Howard who was a great Michigan player. So I don't get how the, the hype with Jet is more because his dad is the head coach of Michigan and who's also been kind of, you know, up and down in the last couple of years since he's been a head coach. So I, like, I hope Jet does well. You know, you don't want a guy to be a bust. I'm just more concerned of the story behind Jet is because of his dad, which if you're anybody – you don't want the story to be about somebody else. They want to represent you and how you are going to benefit the team. You're just getting a really famous, uh, well-known, former all-time great college player and good uh, NBA player and your dad and now you're in the NBA. So I, I really hope Jet kind of proves the dad was wrong, including me. But I think Jet is my reach at 11 to the Magic. All right. Thank you, Christian, for that. Dalton finishes off. What's been going on in the week of racing? Yeah, thank you, Spence. Um, yeah, this last week of racing has been uh, interesting, I guess, to say the least. I'm just going to go through some, you know, a quick recap, and and uh, that's kind of where we'll, we'll leave off. Um. I'm going to go into – I'm going to start with F1 first. 
uh, and then we'll go into going to NASCAR and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, so, you know, this past week, uh, there was a nice race that I've mentioned for, you know, the past two episodes. Um, and, you know, it was actually, yeah. Okay. Well, I forgot we took, we took two weeks, we took about a week off, um, or to two weeks off. Uh, this weekend is the Austrian Grand Prix that I mentioned last episode, um, at 9am on ESPN. Um, I'd be floored. I'd be absolutely floored if Max Verstappen didn't win this race. Um, but it, yeah, dude, it's nothing's changed since our last episode. Um, so we're going to move, move on to NASCAR and see if there's dates, uh, in there, which be, um, Ross Chastain has pulled off a win. The watermelon man uh, has held off um, Martin Truex Jr. for the win uh, at Nashville Speedway. Um, it was about 300 laps. You know, Ross actually led the most out of out of everybody. Um and there was no penalties. Ross Chastain got fifty seven points and added to his total. Uh I mentioned Martin Truex finished in second. Denny Hamlin, which happened to be the second Toyota, uh behind Martin Truex. Yeah, he finished third. Kyle call um Larson finished in fifth. Yeah, Chase Elliott finished in fourth. Other notables, um, Christopher Bell, who's right about racing and you know being pretty consistent. He finished in seventh. And my favorite, my favorite racer, Kyle Busch, finished in ninth. Um, Daniel Suarez, uh, fifteen finish at number twelve, and then uh, Ty Gibbs at fourteen, Bubba Wallace in fifteen. Um, overall, seemed like a pretty good race. Um, and you know, some of the guys actually, there were about 21 racers that did the full 300 laps, uh, out of a 36 racer field. We're going to go to now, um, the, uh, standings, uh, See what is up there. See what the uh, yes, the updated standings in terms of total points. Um, and which Martin Truex Jr. is leading all racers in points with 576. Byron and Ross Chastain are tied with 558. Christopher Bell with 531. Kyle Busch with 528. Um, there are three racers with. 10 top 10 finishes this this season so far and they are will byron christopher bell and kyle bush something to note uh, most wins um let's put that up there we've got two two combined two racers will byron and kyle bush with three runs three wins season 
um, and two, and then everybody else has one or zero. Uh, the two the two wins are Mark Kyle Larson, and then we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven racers uh, that have won. Uh, at least one race, those guys being Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Joey Lagos, champion, Tyler Reddick, and Ricky Stenhouse. And, you know, I think this upcoming schedule, or the, I guess this upcoming um, and what I really like about NASCAR is just completely, completely just open to uh, doing – different kinds of races you know they don't stick to your typical you know making left turns um this actually this upcoming sunday is the street race in chicago uh on nbc at 5 30 p.m eastern uh which should be a good walk um there is some uh, you know, speaking of Chicago, there are some there's uh, some sad news that actually came out today. And Jimmy Johnson will not be racing in Chicago because of the death of his in-laws and his nephew uh, that, you know, happened. Uh, and so he will not be racing in Chicago. Um, as you know, they were they were shot uh, in Oklahoma where they lived. Um, and it just not, and, you know, that's, uh, prayers are to those guys and, you know, that family. Um, but yeah, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Hall of Famer, uh, if not in the Hall of Fame will be after his great performances that he's had in NASCAR years. I mean, he's one of the, one of the best, uh, he will not be, not be racing this weekend. Um, that is pretty much all I got. So it is just, we'll see who wins the next race. Uh, Chicago should be fun. It's a street race, something new for the fans and, you know, um, other people who, you know, are just getting into getting into NASCAR and, you know, don't know a lot about it and want to see what else it has to offer besides your typical, uh, typical race that most people outside of outside of NASCAR really think about when they think about NASCAR racing. So back to you, Spence. All right, Dalton. Thank you for that. Um, so that's going to do it for this edition of Out of Bounds. Uh, after you're done listening to this, feel free to pop on our good pals. Uh, you know, Ryan O'Neill just had a Christian. Christian had to leave early. Uh, something came up that uh, he had to uh, attend to during the recording, so we understand that. So Christian, he had to leave early, unfortunately, but he was recently on Ryan's Happy Hour podcast with our good pal Ryan O'Neill. Also, Jake Smith uh, was on there, so they're talking a lot of uh, Star Wars and Marvel, uh, specifically Spider-Man. So if you're a big Spider-Man fan or, you know, superhero movies, etc., or you just want to hear a good conversation, uh, go and check that out as well. Give us a follow on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. Uh, feedback's always encouraged, as always. Uh, share it with friends and family. And as always, I am Spencer Brown. I am Dalton Bishop. And for Christian Ernst, this has been Out of Bounds. Have a good rest of your day.